Hello, everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Grace and Truth. We have been looking at your the Firm Foundation series, um, just making sure we establish our foundation right on the grace of God. And uh, this subject is a continuation of the previous episode, Law versus Grace Part 2. Now, if you would remember, um, we looked at the old covenant of the law, where the law was given through Moses to the Israelites, right? Uh, the Ten Commandments and including all the other laws, which we said in total was around about 613 laws, right? That the covenant was established on, that the children of Israel had to obey in order to receive God's blessing and his righteous or, or to be righteous in his eyes. And we also looked at the co the covenant that God established with Abraham, which was many years before this covenant of law was established, which we have seen from scripture that it is a covenant of grace because we know that it is quoted in the Bible that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him, credited to him as righteousness. So already in the Old Testament, we see the covenant of grace established. And we also spoke about, well, we, as the Bible says, if we are Christ's, we are Abraham's seed and we are heirs according to the promise. That means whatever blessing was on Abraham then, now because we belong to Christ, it's also on us. Amen. And we are also in the covenant of grace. So, yeah, that was a quick recap. We're going to dwell deeper into Galatians 3 right now, where we see um, the new covenant explained further. And again, Galatians 3 talks about Abraham. It, it talks about the new covenant and the covenant of law. And um, in terms of the new covenant, it, it speaks of Abraham. Um, now, before I get into Galatians 3, um, I just want my wife to briefly um, just tell, tell us, because we, we actually just came back from church. Um, and, you know, some of the stuff was like briefly spoken about today. So, you know, Pastor Rodney spoke about Romans chapter 4, where it says, What shall we say about Abraham that he discovered according to the flesh in this matter? And the matter that's being spoken about is justification by faith. Yeah. And it says, if he was justified by works, then he had something to boast about, but not before God. But what does scripture say? Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then it says to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. In other words, you are owed. When you work, then the pay that you get is because you are owed. It's a debt because of your work. But verse 5 says, however, to the one who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the ungodly their faith is credited as righteousness amen so yeah if we just like focus again on verse 3 it says what does scripture say 
Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And we learn today in church that our all, all we need to do, all that's required from our side is to believe, is to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ, is to believe that he purchased all of our righteousness. He is all of our righteousness. He did the work for us. Um, not to jump ahead of our, our schedule for today, but you know, the, the, the one verse says Romans 10, it says, Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He ended it. He fulfilled it so that they can be righteousness to those, to all who would believe. Amen. And, and that is our part. Let us believe, let us believe. Um, our part is just to believe in the finished work. Amen. Now, continuing along the lines of Abraham in, in Galatians 3, just to give a bit of background, essentially, in the church of Galatia, the gospel was preached, saved by grace through faith, um, justification by faith alone. And then some people came in and started preaching that, yeah, you know, you're saved by grace and things like that but you still need to keep the law. And Paul was writing to the church and speaking against such things, which is why in Galatians 3, um, for example, in, in verse number 5, it says, Paul says, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? And he says, of course not. It is because you believed the message about Christ. Amen. I think all of us can understand that. We don't receive the Holy Spirit because of our obedience. Mm. We received him because we believed mm. in Christ. Yeah. Free. And the thing is that in, in essence, everything else is much less in value than the Holy Spirit. So how can we ever believe that? Okay, now it takes works. That's not how we live the Christian life. Now, continuing in verse number six, it then says, In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Amen. What's more, the scriptures looked forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of their faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. Another version says God preached the gospel to Abraham in advance when he said to him, all nations will be blessed. Um, and, and as we mentioned, there is a beautiful sermon by Pastor Joshua McCall of Redemption Church where he talks about how through the stars, God preached the gospel to Abraham. Um and then it says, we, we share the same blessing as Abraham yes. because we have the same faith. And then it says in verse 10, but those who depend on the Lord to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And, and that's the thing. The Bible is not saying 
if you are under the law, then you will be cursed. No, it's not a future thing that will happen. It's saying if you are under the law or you depend on the law to be right with God, you are automatically under a curse. Why? Because in order to be made right with God under the law, you need to obey all of God's commands all the time, continually. Yeah. Now, who can live like that? And and this is very important to understand because I and I speak to us here recording and to every believer that our natural inclination is always to try and depend on our works. Yeah. We find confidence and we feel confident before God when we feel we've done certain things right. So because we've done one thing right, but you find there's a thousand other things where you were disobedient, but we focus on that small obedience that we feel we did right and we have confidence before God. That's why in the same way, when we've disobeyed in certain things, we lack confidence. Mm. Like my wife was sharing where you feel, oh, but I didn't have devotion today. The reason why you would lack confidence now in your day to, you know, to, to expect good things from the Lord is because our confidence is always in our own obedience. Yeah. That's why we lack the confidence when we feel certain things haven't been done. But the thing is that the reason why we are under covenant of grace is because God always knew that we don't have the ability to obey. Yeah. In fact, James says, you've broken one, you've broken all of them. Why is that? Because in a contract, a contract says you have certain obligations. And if you break one obligation, you negate the whole contract. That's why you can't say I've obeyed here. But then, you know, in other things, you haven't obeyed and you feel, you know, you know, you, you disregard that. It just doesn't work like that. But thank God we are not under that law, covenant of law. We are under the covenant of grace. We are made right by believing, Amen. by simply believing. And then it continues to talk about how Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Um, and then in verse 14, it says, through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles, which is everyone who's not Jewish. Us, in other words, unless we have some Jewish uh, believers um, here, um, with the same blessing he promised Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives an example. Again, this is still about law and grace in Galatians 3, verse number 15. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, here's an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or amend an irrevocable agreement, so it is in this case. God gave the promises to Abraham and his child or seed. And notice that the scripture doesn't say to his children as if it meant many descendants. Rather, it says to his child, and that of course means Christ. Now, what he's saying in, in the previous episode, I had mentioned that it's a twofold blessing. The one part of the blessing is in the physical, Abraham would be, many descendants would come from him. And those descendants are the children of Israel. That's why when Moses said, Lord, remember um, the oath that you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Bible says God relented and he didn't bring his wrath on the people. Why? Because God was honoring the covenant that he made with Abraham. But spiritually speaking, when God made that promise, he wasn't 
referring to physical descendants. He was actually talking about Christ and all the believers that would come through Christ and his finished work on the cross. That's essentially what this whole thing is saying. You, you can read it in your own um, time. Then he says in verse 17, this is what I'm trying to say. The agreement made with Abraham could not be cancelled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. Um, for if the inheritance could be received by keeping the law, then it would not be a result of accepting God's promise. And then in verse 19, listen to this now. He says, why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. So what Paul is saying is that, okay, now God established a covenant with Abraham in Genesis way before Exodus. Yeah. But when the children of Israel now were walking with God, God then established a covenant of law. That if there was already a covenant that he established with Abraham, why establish another covenant of law? And Paul begins to reveal what the purpose of that covenant was of the law. He says, why was the law given? And he says, it was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. The law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through Moses um, through angels to Moses, who was the mediator between God and the people. Um, and, and essentially saying the law is designed to last until the coming of Christ. And its purpose was to show people their sins. Because this here is not just written only here. In fact, in two or three other letters that Paul wrote to the church, he said the same thing. Remember in Galatians 5, for example, he says the law was given so that the trespass might increase. Yeah. But where sin increased, grace superabounded. He says the same thing, that the law is given. Romans 5. Romans 5. <laughs> yeah. That's true. The law was given to show people that they actually can't keep the law. And where they tried, uh, we as we read throughout the Gospels, the Pharisees, of course, they were the experts in the law. And they were all experts outwardly, right? In terms of, this is what we must do. Or remember how they always used to tell Jesus, how can you heal on the Sabbath? And, you know, it's all the external stuff. But when Jesus came, he brought the law to a higher standard to show us that, hey, you actually can't keep it. You thought you can outwardly, but he's, he, he, elevated it to a standard where we come to the end of ourselves and we say, okay, actually we can't do this. We need a savior. And that's actually where um, Matthew 5 comes in, which we're going to briefly go through. Yeah. So in Matthew 5, in verse 17, Jesus says, now keep in mind, the law is given to show people their sins. That's the purpose. Now he says in verse 17, do not misunderstand why I have come. I have come not to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Now the people he was writing to in this time, obviously this was written before Paul. Yeah. When Jesus wrote this to the people he was writing to, they never actually had the revelation of the purpose of the law. God did not actually give it to them. 
he gave it to Paul and Paul writes later as we read now in Galatians 3 and he says actually the purpose of the law is to show people their sins it's designed to bring out the worst in you now he says I came to accomplish their purpose okay and then I'm gonna jump to verse number 20 where Jesus says I warn you unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the law and the Pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven now I know we've, we've probably heard that before and you know many of us tend to get scared when we hear that because we think <laughs> you know really the Pharisees are people who are always fasting you know they're always keeping the law in terms of tithing and, and many things and we think to ourselves we don't even do those things but Jesus comes and he says but but you see what you must understand is that when you understand the purpose of the law then you very you, you you get a very clear picture of what Jesus Christ was trying to do here because understand that God's standard of righteousness is not just as long as your righteousness is above the Pharisees then you good that's not actually God's standard of righteousness which is why God's standard of righteousness is perfection. It's yeah. not obedience, you know, here and there, and then you're good. No, it's not. It's obedient all the time in all things. Mm. And who can do that? No one but Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's why the Bible says righteousness is a gift. He who knew no sin was made sin so that we can be righteous. Our righteousness today is the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. But why did Jesus say this? Because he was trying to bring the people who think they can manage the law outwardly, as my wife has said, to the end of themselves. So they boast and they say, yeah, but we, 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 we don't actually murder. So we're keeping the law. So he writes about that. He writes about and he says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder this is a command from the ten commandments that is quoting yeah and he says but i say to you that if you are angry with someone then you are subject to judgment in other words anger and murder same 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 wow now if you are not guilty of murder when he says if you are angry with someone everyone becomes All guilty us, yeah you see jesus is not trying to say listen guys you know this is how everyone must live now yes it's the heart of god that we don't live with anger but the reason he teaches this the core of why he teaches this is to bring everyone to the end of themselves Amen. so they can learn to depend on him and understand that only by believing in him are they righteous yeah this is to say to you that you are not righteous because you don't have anger in your heart no 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 it's not to say that you can have anger in your heart and you still remain righteous. But the reason, the, the reason you can be free from anger is when you understand that you are righteous yeah, in Christ. Sure. Similarly, people who say, but I'm not committing adultery. And then Jesus comes and he quotes that law, that commandment. And he says, you must not commit murder. Um, you must not commit adultery. And then Jesus says, but I say to you, who, whoever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery in their hearts. Everyone becomes guilty mm. when he says that. Yeah. And then at the end, he says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, people who don't understand why the law is given, they don't understand why Jesus is saying that. Because who can be perfect as our heavenly father is? No one. No one. 
He's saying this thing so that he can bring you to the end of yourself. It's not that God is saying, no, guys, you don't have to live like this. No, 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 no. The purpose is so that you can stop depending on your obedience yeah. for righteousness. Yeah. You think because I don't have anger in my heart, because I don't commit murder, that's why I can have confidence before God. He's trying to say, listen, that's not why you should have confidence in yeah. God. So therefore, not just that you you don't commit murder, but anger. Then all of a sudden you realize that, yo, but anger. I mean, I'll give you an example sitting here um, of how this personally has set me free. For example, you know, I fight with my wife. I do something wrong or whatever the case may be. And now I've got offense in my heart. What helps me is remembering that I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. Even while I am harboring offense in my heart, I am still right actually with the Lord. Mm. It sounds insane. <laughs> but that's what actually gives me freedom. Amen. Not to continue harboring the anger, but it sets me free. Yes. I don't think to myself only when I've let go of the anger or oh, then I'm good with the Lord. No, there's no such thing actually. That's the law. Mm. But it's grace. The Bible says when you receive God's abundance, provision of grace and gifts of righteousness, then you will reign in life. And as we quoted the foundation scripture, only when you are not under the law but under grace, sin will not have dominion over you. Mm. If you think I must first let go of my anger, then I can be right with God. You know what? Chances are you're not going to let go of it. Sure. Maybe on that Sunday sermon where they preach about anger, you'll walk out thinking I'm fine. But as soon as you start your week, <laughs> chances are, when something happens, it will come back and it will have a hold of you, over you. Which is why habits and things like that continue to remain and have a stronghold in our lives. Because we always think, oh, I must first let go of it. Then I can be right with God. There's no such thing. When you declare, like I've shared before, that you are still righteous while that struggle is there. That's grace. You begin to experience grace. Amen. And that grace doesn't cause you to want to keep holding onto that thing no it actually helps you to release yeah and you know how the bible says it's the kindness of god that leads us to repentance it's not his wrath like we don't repent because we're scared of god and change our minds because we don't want to be punished by him it's when we realize his goodness and as we you know fix our eyes on his righteousness we automatically get changed and you, you can't help but change your mind you can't help but repent and change your ways because it's his grace that enables you when you see his grace but if you see his anger which is i get i think what the law brings out you know we see the side of god that people are scared of you know like um and automatically our response is to want to change our actions but if we don't have a revelation of that grace our actions we can modify them, you know, to a certain extent, but it doesn't change who we are. We have, we, we need the Lord to reveal his grace to us and his righteousness towards us. And that changes us automatically. Your actions change. You just want to change and he changes you. It's not your efforts anymore that change you. So in conclusion, um, just the last scriptures of, um, verses of galatians 3 um, where the bible says for you are all children of god through faith 
in Christ Jesus and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew, Gentile, slave, free male or female. We are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Um, all to say that, firstly, we are in Christ now yeah. because we believe in him. And then the Bible concludes this chapter by saying that um, because we are in Christ now, we have the same promises as Abraham and we receive them Amen. by faith, yes. just like Abraham. And, and really, that's, that's how we ought to live. Um, the reason you can expect nothing but good things is because you believe in Jesus Christ. That's it. Keep focusing on Christ. Understand that in the new covenant of grace that you are under, you are in Christ. You have the righteousness of Christ. The Bible says you have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So, you see, you never need to do self-introspection and things like that so you can try and change yourself. No, God always sees you clothed wow. with Christ. Amen. So it's not you he sees. He sees the clothes, which is Christ, his perfection. When we talk about Abraham, it says he... Um, he, he he did not waver in his faith, but it's because God is looking at him through Christ, at the perfect faith of Christ that never wavers. Mm. And that's why you can receive every promise and every blessing from the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We can't wait to see you in the next episode. Cheers. <laughs>